Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special holiday episode of For the Love of Books podcast, featuring Indian and small press authors with host Emma Pulova. Today, we will chat with author Jules Nelson, who will announce the details of our book giveaway of Shadows at the end of the interview. Jules grew up in Northern Michigan, the middle child of seven. She spent much of her childhood making up stories and writing them down. She lives now in rural Michigan with her husband, two children, and a small zoo of animals where the characters in her stories have come back to life. Hello, Jules. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, how has your childhood inspired your writing, your writing career? Um, growing up with such a large family, um, there's just a very diverse group of people in my family. So when I write, I don't just write about the two main characters or a character and like whoever the antagonist is. I also add in her brothers or her, you know, nosy neighbors or, um, the, the pet that kind of gets into everything. So to me, it's like, I, I grew up with such a huge, a community already in my own house that when I write, I add a lot of extra characters. And I think that just help formulate the story and it kind of gives them a very full character to each person that's in the story. Okay, let's talk about shadows. Before Civil War rocked the nation, one young woman fought for the freedom to follow her heart. Um, Emma, the character, who inspired your main character? Um, honestly, I love history, and I think that throughout history, when you're learning about it in school, you you don't typically learn about the, the common average woman that goes through history. You always see, like, the men, the men join the war, and they go off to fight, or the men decide that they want to be pioneers, so they decide to uproot their family and take them across country, but they don't always teach you what the women did. So for me... I wanted to start with this very average girl who would have gone through just whatever history would be at the time. And I kind of made her a little bit average and a little bit, I wouldn't say uh, mousy, but where she goes along with whatever's kind of going along. And then I wanted her to be able to come into her own where she realized that she had, I wouldn't say the power, but more like, um, where she realizes that she is important, but in the beginning, she doesn't feel very important. And that's, to me, it's important. I want, I want girls nowadays to realize that, you know, back then mm -hmm. the men went off to do the fighting, but the women stayed behind and they are the ones who kind of kept everything together or the men were off in the fields doing stuff, but the women were the ones that were doing everything in the house or keeping the community together, keeping the community running. So for me, I wanted Emma to be kind of average, but at the same time, as she goes throughout the series, she realizes that she's not average and you realize as the reader that she's not average. So that to me, that's kind of what inspired the creation of Emma. And what inspired the creation of the book, uh, Shadows? Obviously, what inspired the title and then the book itself? Well, I kind of, it's a backwards inspiration. Um, the, the series Shadows of Home is um, going to lead up to, the, the third book is going to be 
the story of the Civil War told from the women being left behind, basically. So it'll be Emma being left behind to take care of the family farm, the family that they've created, um, basically everything that she's going to have to go through all the while while she's worrying about the men. And it's like, you know, what the men are doing is very worthy, but I wanted this story to be told by what the women had to go through being left behind in a very very rural country while they were basically without most of the men folk that would have taken care of them in their community. So that was the end goal. And then I thought, well, I really want people to be able to feel for Emma. So then I'm like, well, I want to have a backstory for Emma. So I kind of went backwards and I kind of just created it. And I love history, some of the weird stuff that happens in history. So I went through and found some of the, the odd things that you wouldn't you wouldn't find in today's society. Um, just like some of the embarrassing things if you got if you got caught talking to somebody, people would start rumors and then once rumors started, then that actually kind of created a shadow on your reputation kind of thing. So I took those weird quirky things and I just added them in and that's how the story like developed around Emma. So okay. What were some of the major challenges in writing this book? Um, I love history, so I want to like add a ton of history because I feel like kids learn in school today the dates and the times and the people, but not necessarily like the culture. So I did want to add a lot of culture in, but the problem is that will bog down the story if you did too much in there. So it's like, which do you choose? What do you want to add? What do you not want to add? And then um, for me too, I live a very full life. So me, I, I write, but I also have two children. I uh, used to host exchange students. I have a lot of pets. We have ducks, chickens, dogs, cats. And uh, for a while I was doing, for about five years, I did, uh, <clears throat> I directed the school, uh, high school theater group. So that would take up a lot of time. So for me, a lot of it is focusing long enough to sit down and write and sometimes that's my choice it's easy to make it happen and then other times I could go days even a week without picking up my computer at all to write so for me a lot of times the the time factor I have all these stories going on in my head but not enough time to sit down and actually write them so how long did it take you to write this book shadows it only took me about four months to write because we just moved here from Missouri. So um, not a lot of acquaintances here. I didn't have a job. So it was just me getting my kids back and forth to school. And we only had one that at the time. So I literally could take my kids to school and come home and I had all this like free time to write. So it took me four months to write shadows, another, you know, two months to edit it and tweak it and stuff, but four months to just do that initial first draft. So so what sources and resources have you used for your research for your book? Um, there are a lot of history stuff that you can find online now, which is nice. Um, you can find like journals of people, of like women who would write down just like daily things. And some of them are super cut and dry. Like we, like if they were our pint, like on a wagon train 
they could say, you know, today we drove 10 miles and it rained, mm-hmm. you know, so some of them were real dry. Some of them gave you a little bit more information. You could get some of the image information just from like uh, the emotions that they didn't put in it. Like you could tell sometimes they were tired. Mm-hmm. So I like those kind of, um, that, that kind of information. Um, you can get a lot of information from town histories. So the mm-hmm. town that I live in, that's where I actually base the story in. They have a lot of history that they've preserved. So you can get information from there. Um, it's easy to pull up a lot of information of books that you wouldn't normally have. You would have to drive to get to places to find these authentic diaries before and now they're online. So it's really nice that information's at our fingertips. But there are also books that um, that you can get that are like uh, history books that you can buy. So sometimes for me, I like to have those pictures that you can pull from too. And um, so those are kind of kind of things that I would read, plus just reading books from the time period that you're actually writing about, because I like to say you can't write about something that you don't know about. So for me, you have to like pull that information from very good sources. And sometimes you have to double check and make sure you can find that information in more than one place in order for it to be uh, reliable. But um, there's a lot of really reliable websites out there and a lot of really reliable um, reference books out there. So, And how do you know where to draw that fine line between, how can you tell that enough research? I've done enough research not to bog the (laughs) reader down. Um, If it would bore me, (laughs) I feel like, because sometimes I'll write something and then I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, I'm distracted myself. So I can't even, if I can't even edit it, I know there's too much detail in there. Um, But sometimes I'll be like, I just have to ask myself, <clears throat> is this distracting me from the story or is it <clears throat> adding it to it? Um, mm-hmm. So there's sometimes that I'm like, okay, you know, meaningful, meaningful action. If it's meaningful that she's doing it, then it's important. Um, if I feel like I'm just adding details in, then I'll just take it back out. And that's where you're, you're, um, your group of uh, beta readers comes in too. If they read through it and they're like, I feel like this is a little bit too much uh-huh. information then I'm like, definitely, I don't even question it and I'll pull a lot of it out. But um, I, it usually doesn't get past me because I feel like I don't want it to be boring. I just want it to have flavor to it, so. Sure. And what are the major takeaways from Shadows? Um. What I want people to take away from Shadows is that that girls, women, they played such a huge part in our history, even though, I mean, it's not the history that you would find in a history book, and it's not history that you would find in a history class, but girls were there, the girls and their moms were there taking care of the farms if the men were called away, if the men had to go on a long trip to a bigger town sometimes they had to go travel for jobs in between farming seasons and the women were there taking care of the farm they were there taking care of the family so I mean the men were off doing something that was important but the women if they weren't there they would came home to a farm that was in disrepair or not successful to me so I feel like girls and women in general just don't realize that 
history isn't just about what the men accomplished, but it's also about what the women maintained in the community. So my main takeaway is that I would like women to realize that how, and girls, how important they are to history, even if they're not making it into the history class. Sure. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Let's see. (laughs) Um, That one's hard. Um, I feel like I probably don't realize, because I always say I want to do something huge um, and change the world. And I think I'm sometimes have to remind myself that what we do is important when we're raising our kids and we're raising them to be good people and a good part of the community. And even though it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, sometimes we feel like we're like, oh, you know, now that my kids are grown, now I could do something important. And I have to stop and remind myself just like the way that I'm writing that I did do something important because my kids are really good kids. And we have been around in the community, adding to the community. So I feel like I had to remind myself that also. So I guess that's probably probably what I took away the most from it. That is a nice takeaway. Very important one. What is the funniest or the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Um, you said bizarre or interesting? Uh, either interesting, bizarre, or something out of the ordinary, uncanny, or that you will remember, that you're never going to forget, for whatever reason. Um, I guess one of my, like, the most bizarre thing is that I love when teenagers come up and they start to tell you how they're writing a story and how they don't feel like it's good enough and you can have that connection and you can Uh talk to them about how, you know, once upon a time I was a teenager also writing a story. And while I probably wouldn't have tried to publish those stories, there are that good first stepping block. So I've had um, teenagers ask if they could send me a copy of their story, like the first chapter, and I'll read it and they'll give them some comments and Um, And then you see them come back the next year and they talk about how excited they are that they Uh finished their book or that they changed it or started a different one. But I love to see that connection where um, those kids can reach out because there is an author in front of them. And, you know, we're not as famous as like somebody who has been doing it for a long time and is like bestseller New York yet. Uh I'm not there yet. So it's, it's fun to see how like relaxed they are to talk to you about it. So those kind of thing, and, and it surprises me how often that happens. So that to me is something that's fun. I think that's a good sign that that happens to us. That's mm-hmm. what makes the author event so fun. Uh, what is next for Jules in 2022, which is coming up? Sounds very futuristic. Exactly. Um, I have the first two books in my series done. The third one is started. I also have the first book of a new series started and it's my takeaway on how if we don't if we don't learn history like the real history like you mm-hmm. know cause and effect of what happens in history if we don't learn from it then we're going to repeat it so to me it's my takeaway about how history is going to repeat itself in the future so um, it's considered 
um, I guess, speculative fiction, but it's okay. um, going to take place in the near future. What will happen if we, you know, like don't learn to get along in society, stuff like that. And um, so it's interesting to me because I do love history, but it's almost like reversing history and putting it into the future. Like if we lost power suddenly, now we're a society that's used to power, trying to get along without it. Um, and then just a very fun story that goes along with it. So um, that's my, my, my excitement. I'm hoping to get back to getting both of those finished, so. That sounds exciting, that reversal in history. I like that. Okay, would you like to read to us, Jules? I would love to read today. So I'm reading from Shadows. It's a little bit further into the book just because I think it's a little bit more fun to read from in the beginning, so. Struggling to keep the end of the blanket off the ground while draping the other end over the line, Emma stood on her toes and stretched, but her arms couldn't reach far enough to keep it on the line. She almost dropped it in the mud. Heart pounding, she had decided that she would just hang it over the porch rail when someone lifted the heavy blanket from her arms. Here, let me help you. Thane was so close to her ear that Emma jumped. Uh, pardon me. I didn't mean to startle you, ma'am. He stepped away from her side. No, I'm just not used to anyone helping me during the day. It's always so quiet here. Then she smiled. Here you are saving me and apologizing for it again. A smile touched his lips as he finished straightening the blanket on the line. I shouldn't make a habit of it, ma'am. It's Emma, she stated, raising her eyebrows. I know twas rude to keep your name from me, to keep my name from you before, but now you have it. I will not speak, I will not know you're speaking to me if in you call me ma'am. It's terrible forward to call a young lady by her given name, especially when she isn't attached to me, Thane argued. Maybe I won't let you keep saving me anymore from embarrassing situations if in you keep calling me ma'am, Emma teased, trying to keep her lips from smiling. I'd best be calling you Emma then. Thane stated with a hint of a smile. That's better. Emma smiled and handed him a pair of wrung out pants to hang up. Besides, if we're getting married, remember? And if my unfortunate suitors come back, you'll have more practice with my given name. Well, you'll be Mrs. Wells to the likes of them, he replied. Of course, she laughed. Very practical. As Thane reached for a flannel shirt in the tub, it dawned on Emma that she was wringing out her nightdress. She blushed as she tucked it back into the tub. Reaching for anything that wasn't white, she saw that there was only one more colored garment. Trying to hide her embarrassment, she continued, uh, I was figuring on eating my lunch down by the creek while I washed the, while the wash dries. Would you care for a bite? Thane was silent for a minute before he answered. Wouldn't want to impose. I just came to help you when I heard that you were singing. You heard me singing, Emma interrupted, mortified. Like an angel, he smiled. Your voice echoes through these hills. Get out of here, she insisted, pretending to be offended to cover her embarrassment. She pulled the shirt from his hands and shooed him towards the path. Go, so I can finish hanging up my laundry in peace. Smiling, Thane reached for another wet clothing item. He froze when he saw that the remaining clothes were all white. Pulling his hands back quickly, he turned to leave with a quick yes, ma'am. Emma fairly flew through the rest of the laundry, hanging her white clothes behind Sepp's quilt so it couldn't be seen from the tree line near the path. Flipping the metal tub over the stump to dry, she ran into the house to make sandwiches for her family and a picnic for two. 
I wish I had something delicious baked up. Shaking her head to clear the regret, she reprimanded herself. No use worrying about what I can't change. Grabbing the basket of food, she headed for the back field where she could hear the men working. As Emma passed the water bucket, left by the edge of the field, she noticed it was empty. She set down the basket, exchanging it for the bucket, and headed back towards the house. She wondered if Thane would wait for her as she pulled the heavy bucket of water out of the well. Filling the bucket as full as she dared, she poured the rest back. Emma met her to retrieve the bucket from her. She had no sooner retrieved the basket before it was gently taken from her as well. James smiled at her before he turned to follow her brother across the field to where her dad and her Seth were working. Do you think we should set fire to that stump? It's not budging with the team, Mark argued with his dad as they approached. He took a sandwich from the basket and he set it on the, in the shade. Dad nodded. It's slow. It'll slow us down some, but it'll be saving the horses in the end and our backs too, Mark agreed. They continued to lay out their plans as they ate their sandwiches. Emma collected their towels in her basket and headed back towards the house. By the time she walked back from the field and made it to the hill by the creek, she had convinced herself that Thane would have left by now. When she arrived, the hillside was indeed vacant. Emma sat down in, in disappointment, but intent on looking carefree. Well, Mama, it looks as if I've brought you a sandwich. You've already given my sandwich away, asked a voice that made her jump. Uh, no, no, of course not, Emma replied, willing her heart to slow down. But I almost dropped it in the water. You scared me so, she scolded. Thane sat down a couple paces away from Emma. She handed him a sandwich wrapped in a towel. Thane took a bite of the sandwich. Looking thoughtfully, he asked, are you going to introduce me to your mama? Emma looked up at him. She couldn't decide if he was making fun of her. Finding no hint of teasing in his voice, she replied, Mr. Hawkins, meet my mama, Liliana Wells. Lily to those that loved her. Mama, this is Mr. Hawkins. He's taken to saving me lately. Even promised to marry me to protect me from an ugly mess, she ended with a smile. Pleasure to meet you, ma'am. Please call me Thane. Mama wants to know where you came from, that we shouldn't already know you. We thought we knew everyone here in this valley, Emma asked innocently. Well, ma'am, I live in those hills up yonder, nodding his head across the creek, tucked in the valley. I came this way a couple times a year, but spend most of my time on the trail hunting and trapping. So you're a trapper, Emma asked between bite. Yes, ma'am. Call me Emma, she reminded him. Begging your pardon, ma'am. I thought it was talking to your mama, he said with a lopsided smile. She chose to ignore his teasing and looked toward the hills. Your mama seems to belong to this spot, Thane observed. She does, she stopped simply. A fever took her and my baby sister to heaven a few years back. Her final words were barely above a whisper. I'm sorry, Thane said softly. Emma blinked back a tear before she looked at him. Where's your sister's stone, he asked. There isn't one. She was so small, I couldn't bear for her to be put by herself. Mama had wanted her so, and Dad, well, he couldn't bear to name her. So she sleeps in Mama's arms here in Mama's favorite spot. She waved her arm to indicate the hilltop that overlooked the little creek. Dad brought his rock, or this rock here. When he dug it up out of the cornfield, he decided to roll it here so Mama wouldn't have grass stains on her skirts all the time. She always was sitting on the grass. She tried to make them stop before they hurt themselves. But Dad just teased how embarrassed he was to have his wife with green dresses. 
She finally relented then, but she wouldn't come down here for weeks, Emma laughed. But then when she did, she did sit on the rock. She kept one skirt with an especially bad grass stain on it. She hung it right there in the room. It hangs there still. Dad won't let me even wash it. She didn't notice the tears in her cheeks until Thane handed her his towel. Thank you. You're welcome. I, okay. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Um, I have a paperback book that um, I can, that I can mail to the first person that emails me. I think that's what you were saying. Yes. Um, so I will, I will sign it and I will mail it to the first person that sends me their information and um, gladly pass along any information to anybody else who emails beyond that. Can you give us your email? My email is Jules, J-U-L-E-S dot Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N at Ymail. That's the letter Y, M-A-I-L dot com. Okay. And since this is our Christmas special, we are sharing our favorite Christmas memories. Can you share with our listeners your favorite Christmas memory, Jules? Well, every Christmas Eve, my parents would encourage us to play board games. And there was seven of us kids. Um, so we would play board games all afternoon and evening of Christmas Eve, I think because my parents wanted to exhaust us and also to keep us distracted. So we would play board games all evening until midnight and then we would go to bed. And um, that tradition has continued um, well till today because this week we're going to do the same thing. That's cool. All right, before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Colleen Nye. Parting shots from each one of us. Jules, you first. Um, I just want to encourage everybody to read. Read whatever interests you. I love to encourage people to read history, but honestly, it's whatever interests people. And also to review what you've read. Um, reviews are like tips. If you go out to eat, you leave a tip to say how much you liked it. Reviews are the same thing for authors, even if it's a, how you think they could have improved, but those, those reviews out there are what get us noticed on Amazon. That's what gets us noticed by, um, other people in the field. So it's, uh, it's very important for authors to get those, those reviews. So read and then review what you've read. Absolutely. And my parting shots are buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening and Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you, Jules. Thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs>